Today, across the world, today across the world is both a Jewish and a Christian celebration. For a Jew, today is a significant uh, event because it, it celebrates one of three festivals that the Jewish men were, are, are asked to uh, return back to certainly the Old Testament. One of three festivals that Jewish men would be called to return to Jerusalem to worship God, to the temple to worship God. Passover was one of the festivals defined in the Old Testament for the Jewish men to come back into Jerusalem. The second one was the Feast of Tabernacles, where they celebrated and remembered their time of wilderness wandering. And then we come to today's one, which is the Feast of Weeks, which is uh, the Jewish name for that is Shabbat. And uh, it is really primarily an agricultural festival. Uh, Feast of Weeks, the, the concept of weeks, uh, represents seven periods of seven weeks, which is a harvest time for them. Uh, and so they would, it would mark the end of the first grain harvest. And so for a Jew, particularly the Jews returning back into the promised land, it was a significant event when they celebrated the harvest. Uh, second, is that the first thing it represents the harvest? The second thing it represents is the, um, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. So 50 days after the first Passover, when the angel of death passed over the children of Israel in Egypt, 50 days after that, the scripture would record that they would be at Mount Sinai. And so the 50th day represents the giving of the law. Uh, the law for a Jew isn't a rule of do's and don'ts, although it is. It's far more than that. The law for a Jew is how we relate to God. This is the interface on how we can relate to God. So, so for them, the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, 50 days after the first Passover, for a Jew, that was significantly important. It was seriously important because now they know how they can connect to God, how they can experience God through the framework that the law provided. And so that's for the Jew. That's why uh, Shavuot is a, a significant day, Feast of Weeks. For the Christian church, however, it's very different. Uh, for, the, uh, for the church, uh, Pentecost is the, the, the language we use. It's a Greek word, and it literally means the 50th day. And so last week, if you were here, you might recall that I talked about the ascension of Jesus and uh, how Jesus told the disciples in, uh, in the Gospel of Luke to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and fill them with power. And so this is how Luke records it in chapter 24, verse 49. It says, Jesus saying, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. And so today is a, is a really meaningful day for, for the Jews, certainly for the Jews. Um, but it's an incredibly powerful day for, the, for Christians and the early church. And so, as I said before, David and I are going to tag team through some of this message this morning. I'm going to look at a little bit how the Holy Spirit works in the Old Testament. And then I'm going to hand over to David. He's going to pick it up and move us into the New Testament. So I'm going to start in the beginning. Uh, it's going to burst into a Sound of Music song at that point. You know, it start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. But it is. But I'm not going to do that. Um, but if you were to look at, look for the Holy Spirit in the beginning, you don't have to look very far, to be honest. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, 
verse 1 and 2, you will, you will see this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of, the, of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. There we find the Holy Spirit was present at creation. And the word for spirit in this case is the word ruach. And the word ruach is the, it's, it's the Hebrew word for breath or for wind. And so what we're finding at the beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit was hovering. Now I was thinking of the word hovering and trying to understand how we can understand that a little bit better. Uh, because you might be thinking of a helicopter or a butterfly or something. But the, the language of hovering is, is to be ready for action. Like, and the way I thought of it, like um, runners on their blocks ready, ready for a sprint. Or, or the guys on the, on the block, the, the swimmers that are just waiting, hovering, just poised, waiting for the starter's gun to go and for them to, to begin and to, to start what they were created, called, positioned to do. That, that's sort of the word of hovering when the Holy Spirit is hovering over creation, over the, the, the world. Holy Spirit is waiting. Just, just waiting for something. And, and the starter's gun in this context, the starter's gun was a voice from heaven that said, let there be light. And so as soon as God spoke, we find the Holy Spirit at work, uh, the, the creative force in all of creation. In fact, Psalm 33, 6, we put it this way. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. Can you see again? The breath of God, the word of God. He spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. Isn't that amazing? And so here we see that God's Spirit, God's breath, He was the divine power in creation. And He was working in perfect harmony with the intent of the Father. The Holy Spirit was hovering and poised and waiting for the intent of the Father to be spoken. And the Holy Spirit was the active force that, that created the heavens and the, the world that we live in today. I think that's powerful. Working in perfect harmony. Holy Spirit working in perfect harmony with the Father. The intent, the desire and the word of the Father. And His word, His breath, God's word and creation was enough to bring order from chaos. God's word, God's breath, God's spirit was enough to fill emptiness, to fill the emptiness that was there, to, 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 to touch on the, the darkness and to bring in the light. God's word through God's spirit is enough to fill empty places, to, uh, to establish our world, to, to establish our universe. And so, so Genesis would tell, I mean, this is powerful, and Genesis would, just would say that God's spoke the word light and, and land and sky and heavens and earth and animals and creatures and, and God looked at all that he had made and he said it was good. And so, so that's the, the beginning, beginning of creation we find the Holy Spirit. And let's move to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Then the Lord formed the, formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into men's nostrils and the man became a living person. So we, what we see here in the beginning, in the first two chapters of, of Scripture, we see that God, God's Spirit animates life. God's Spirit is the animation, the reason that mankind was moved from a lump of dirt 
into life was God's Spirit breathed into us. The breath of heaven filled us. The Spirit of God, the power of God is in us, was breathed into us in partnership with the intent of the Father. From the beginning we see God's purpose was always and He created man and He formed man and He said to man, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. We were always created to be filled with the breath of heaven, to be partnering with the intent of the Father and to be transforming and changing and ruling and subduing the earth. That was before the fall of man. That God's original intent was always His representatives, us, filled with His Spirit, working in partnership, in tandem with Him. And so, so Genesis shows us, as you keep reading through, it doesn't take long before we get to Genesis chapter 3, and we see that mankind rejects the intent of the Father. Mankind chooses to reject relationship with the Father uh, through the Garden of Eden. And what, what I found very interesting is that in the first two chapters of Genesis, we find the Holy Spirit at work, breathing life, creating uh, all that we see. But then the Holy Spirit almost retreats back into heaven. We don't hear much of the Holy Spirit in the rest of the Old Testament. He was present so much at the beginning, then he seems to disappear. Uh, but God had a plan. Everyone say, God had a plan? God had a plan. And so if you were to look through the rest of the Old Testament, you would see that, that, that God just didn't retreat. The Holy Spirit just didn't say, oh, well, you guys are marked up. I'm going to head back to heaven and enjoy my, my long blacks up there. He said, we actually see the Holy Spirit still at work, and God would continue to be at work in so many other ways. And primarily what I want to touch on just briefly here this morning is that we see that, that God would come through the Spirit, come upon people for a particular purpose and particular at particular places and times. He would raise up leaders, and the Old Testament shows leaders and prophets and judges. Holy Spirit would come upon them, equip them with, uh, with wisdom and strength and guidance to do what God needed them to do. Remember, Holy Spirit's role was always to uh, partner with the intent of the Father, uh, to, to bring creation, uh, and then we were created to partner with the intent of the Father to, to rule and subdue and to bring to God's kingdom to earth. And so, uh, what we see, I'm going to list them all, I'm not going to go through all these verses, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll put these verses in you so you can look them up at some stage if you like. But we see the Holy Spirit would come upon Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Elijah uh, very intently, very specifically for a purpose and a plan to come across. Uh, we come to Othniel was the first of the judges uh, and we see the Holy Spirit came powerfully upon the next slide thing. On Gideon and Jephthah and Samson and Samuel and Saul and, and David and Daniel, we see the Holy Spirit was at work coming upon specific people at specific times for specific reasons. This list is no means exhausted. And it shows us that God had a plan. He had not just retreated back into heaven. He didn't just say, well, you guys have made your choice and leave you to, to sort your own problems out. We see that God intervenes in humanity through His Holy Spirit. And so, pardon me, in reading their stories, we discover that, that the times the Holy Spirit came upon them were temporary. For a certain time, and then back. And then back again, maybe. So Samson, Holy Spirit would come, would go, come again. All these people would have, have seasons and times that the temporary presence of the Holy Spirit would come upon them. 
I'll also discover that as you read through the Old Testament, only some people were chosen to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God only chose some people to give them dreams and visions. You look at the lives of Daniel or Joseph, Holy Spirit would work in them, giving, opening their, their eyes to the Word of Heaven. Only some had dreams and visions. Only some in the Old Testament would experience the filling and the power of God. Not everyone did. It was very uh, uh, select. Thank you. Uh, only some, only some people were chosen to be filled and to be used to bring transformation and to, to bring leadership and to, and to bring the, the power of heaven to work, to bring deliverance and freedom to the people. But God had a plan. Everyone said, but God had a plan. You see, God had a plan from the beginning. The plan was not to retreat from the brokenness and pain and confusion of this world. But he had a plan to bring redemption, restoration, healing and hope. A plan that could reunite creation with its creator. A plan to have his spirit filling and empowering his people, his representatives on earth as it is in heaven. A plan that involved inserting himself into humanity, not just through one person, Jesus. But as we see today, he had a plan where he would insert himself into humanity for every believer. I've got three verses that I'm going to hand over today. Isaiah the prophet would say this. The spirit of the sovereign, you might recall Jesus also said this. That Jesus was quoting Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to, bring, and to proclaim that captives will be released and the prisoners will be free. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. You see, the spirit of the living God came upon Isaiah, and, and ultimately upon Jesus, and we'll see upon us, for a very specific purpose. Well, many purposes in this case. Next verse. The prophet Ezekiel would say, this is God speaking, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Anyone here have been times when their heart's been stony and stubborn? Me? Just a couple of others. <laughs> and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees. I'll put my spirit in you so that you are able to live the way I've called you to live and be careful to obey my regulations. That's God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, and then we come to the prophet Joel. And uh, uh, the context of this is, is Joel, the prophet, God raised the prophet Joel to deal with some of the nation, the nation of Judah, and then some of their, uh, and what God's going to do to bring deliverance and freedom for his people of praise. And then after doing all of these things, I will pour my spirit out on some people. So what it says? No. Some of your sons and daughters will prophesy. No, no. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So all of a sudden we're seeing what happened from the ones and the singles and the individuals and the purposes and the particulars and the independence and the, and the temporaries. I will pour my spirit out on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. 
In those days I will pour my spirit out, even on servants, men and women alike. Friends, God had a plan, and God had a plan from the beginning. That's going to come up as I wrap up here. God had a plan from the beginning to fill His creation through His Spirit, through His people, to transform the world and, and community that He places us in. God has a plan. It hasn't changed. Thanks, David. Thanks, Mark. If I use Mark's analogy, yes, I am the tail end, but I prefer to be the dog tail end. Where it's like that, the tail's going like this. <laughs> That's me, right now. Because I'm excited to take it in, right now. Let's get right into the Bible. Luke 9. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples. And gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God. And to heal the sick. Scoot down a little bit. It says, So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. What an interesting moment for these 12 disciples. They have grown up reading the Torah or hearing about the Torah, going to church, learning about the prophets that Mark has just talked about. Understood that God worked on certain people at certain times with power and authority. And then here we are in this moment. And Jesus is saying, it's your turn. That power you've read about for so many years is yours now. You will heal the sick. You will cast out demons. You will speak with my authority. I wonder what they were thinking. I wonder if they were super nervous by that thought. Because they'd seen it very rarely in their life. Probably not at all in their time. And yet now, in this moment, they were given this authority. And I do reckon, from my understanding of the disciples, there was a mixed bag of people. I'm sure there was some going, yes, finally, my chance. I'm going out there for you, Jesus. I'm going to do this. While there'd be others going... I'm not prepared. I don't think I'm ready for this. You've got so much more to teach me. I'm not, I'm not ready. But okay, you've said go, so I'll go. Now, we're reading the New Testament here, but it put it to note, Holy Spirit hasn't come, right? So we're still thinking Old Testament ways. The disciples are still thinking Old Testament ways. The wisdom and authority that they are now about to step into, they haven't experienced yet. They are in a learning phase, watching Jesus. And perhaps it doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jesus was fully man, yet fully God. Which means his outworking of what he did in these years was through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was in connection with his Father, Constantly. He was a constant example to these 12 men of what it would actually look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They just didn't know it yet. I wonder in this moment, could the disciples have ever believed that this would become their life? That what Jesus was doing, they would one day do. And not just for a season, 
but permanently. If we go to John 14, 16, Jesus is speaking, he says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, but it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. And then John 16, 7 says, But very truly I tell you, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. If you keep reading down the next couple of verses, the disciples are again confused by this. What do you mean you're leaving? Hang on, haven't you got a kingdom to overthrow? You've got so much to teach us. It's only been such a short time. You can't leave. Please don't go. Hearing this, we read this, understanding years later and through the inspiring of the Holy Spirit, we understand exactly what was going on. But they didn't understand that then. This wasn't good news. This was concerning. Why are you leaving us? Why are you going? So we're going to skip ahead a little. Jesus has died. He's been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. He's come back. He's hung out for 40 days. He's done more. And then he ascended into heaven as Mark shared with us last week. And now we find the disciples here together at the Feast of Weeks. And again, Mark shared so beautifully on this feast. Sometimes we can wonder why there were so many people around at that time. It was no coincidence. God does nothing by coincidence. The first fruits was 50 days earlier, the celebration of the barley harvest, and now 50 days later, it's the wheat harvest. Everyone is together. Everyone is eating. Everyone is celebrating. In fact, fun fact, the Feast of Weeks is mentioned five times in the Old Testament. I can give you those verses later. But it was definitely a significant moment for those people living in Israel. Big deal. But here we are. Everyone is together. Everyone is sharing meals together. But we also know that the disciples are in expectation. They are wondering what Jesus meant by this advocate he would send. What did he mean about this helper that would one day come? Did they know it would be that day? No. They were celebrating and being together. Let's jump straight into Acts 2. This one's a good one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire, and it appeared on them and rested on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Fire on them, can you imagine? Now they were, they were dwelling in, Jeru in Jerusalem, and they were devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, aren't all these Galatians? How are they speaking all these languages? And go and list all the different languages they were speaking. So many, I won't go through it, but you can go through that yourself. 
But what they say is we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mockingly said, they are filled with new wine, or they are drunk. Now, just a little side note to that. I don't know if you guys have ever observed somebody drunk. I have. They've never spoken a different language fluently. <laughs> Let alone, about 12 of them all drunk at the same time at a party, let's say, and all 12 of them are speaking different language fluently. Not very normal. And I've never also heard them uh, speaking the praises of God while being drunk. So all these things are quite unusual. So the mocking is unusual. Perhaps it was the way they were speaking. Maybe they were a little bit too... Who knows? It's a mystery. But what I do know was the power of God fell that day. The Holy Spirit came upon those people in that room. This is an amazing moment for us as Christians. In fact, I love that we celebrate Easter and I love that we celebrate Christmas and you guys know how passionate I am about Christmas. But I wonder, do we give enough to this day? This day is a, a huge day for us. Maybe one of the biggest days in history for us, the church. And so today I hope you come with me in celebrating what Pentecost actually looked like. Why we should take this time, take this moment to remember. So I've got four rapid fire points today. I know I usually don't do points, but I just felt like it was right today. So we're going to do that. Point number one. On Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit filled the church with power and added 3,000 new believers. Drew a large crowd. Again, they're all hanging around for the feast. But then this crazy thing happens and they all come in. And Peter, missing, not missing opportunities, like, oh my goodness, here is my moment. He gets up. I have a word to share. And I can tell, even as you read this, this the spirit, the authority that's on him is incredible. And I want to read this out to you. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And by the end of the day, the Holy Spirit came and grew the church by 3,000 people. He gave them power and authority on that day. Peter spoke with an authority he never had before. It was part of him. It was in him. We also know in this moment, it wasn't a complicated moment to receive him. In fact, he wanted to come in. What was it? Repent, be baptised, you're filled. Not a workspace thing, not a thing I have to do to earn the Spirit of God in me, but just obey, just believe. And he came in. 
It's also a significant moment because this is the first time in history we've heard a come to Jesus message. This is the first time that anyone had heard that Jesus died for your sins and he wants to now come and live in you. Are you getting how significant that is? The first time. It's an amazing moment and a pretty good reason why we should be celebrating Pentecost. Two, fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and Jesus' promise. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. I already mentioned two of those, but this third one's also a cracker. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. I don't know if you ever put yourselves in the shoes of these people. I, I always do. I just have to. I just have to try to understand what's going on. And I can imagine being a disciple and Jesus is saying, I'm going and I'm letting you do this now and the Spirit of God's on you and you're doing this now. I'd be sitting there going, oh, I don't know if I wrote enough notes. I heard all your sermons, Jesus, but well, you, you talked a lot and you said a lot of good things. It's all gone. I'm not a good note taker. But I love what he says here. It's like, but the Holy Spirit will do that. Tomorrow, all the things that I've said will come back to you. I don't know if you guys would feel that even now. When you're talking to friends or family members, and all of a sudden you're speaking, you're like, what? Where did that come from? Gee, I'm good. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. Gives you the knowledge and the words to speak in the situations you need. And then the Old Testament prophecy, which I know Mark just mentioned, but I, I have to mention it again because it's incredible because when he gave this prophecy, this would have been ludicrous. This would have been a crazy thing to hear thousands of years before Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Let me just read it for you again. And afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on these days. In these days, they wouldn't have seen many signs. Maybe in their lifetime, they may have not even seen God really doing anything crazy in their lifetime. And yet this prophetic word says, all people will have this. But this will be commonplace to see God's work in our life. They couldn't have imagined. And I love what it highlights in here. Male and female, slave and free, young and old. Do you know how controversial it would have been to say female? That they would have the same power as the man? Sometimes they wouldn't even have to go to some of the services or at least have their faces covered. Yet they would have the same authority through the Holy Spirit? And slaves? No, no, no. Slaves have no authority. They listen to their master and they can do nothing unless the master says so. Yet your spirit will pour out on them. And then the young. But how can the young be poured out on? They don't know enough. They don't study enough. They don't know God enough. No. They know enough. Because if my Holy Spirit will fall on them, they'll have all they need in me. This 
was actually super controversial. All flesh. Number three, Pentecost is the beginning of the new church. The Old Testament really only consisted of Israel. That was the church. And yet now it's almost like the divide from the Tower of Babel, where arrogance and pride had caused God to separate man. When he sends the Holy Spirit, what is he doing? He is bringing all the division back together again. That through his spirit, we would be one church again. And again, he does nothing by accident, nothing by coincidence. Of course, he had them speaking all different languages. Why? Come together. Hey, I've come. You're all welcome. And what were they talking about? Not the weather. Not just things they'd done. They were talking about God, the power of God. They were now united as the church of God. That all different languages, different tongues, all would come together and celebrate Jesus together. He was making a new body. We are part of that body today. Number four. Pentecost empowers us to share the love of Jesus to the ends of the earth. If you keep reading Acts, it doesn't stop in Acts. It doesn't say, oh, and at this point, you don't have to do this anymore, it's all done. No, we know if we keep on reading the New Testament, we keep on going out. We keep spreading the good news. The Holy Spirit continues to work through us, through all believers. The work doesn't stop. Our goal, our mission, is to proclaim the good news until Jesus returns. He hasn't returned yet. So we still have that job to do. Now I know every time I speak, I give you homework, I can't help myself. I'm going to do it again. If you have notes, or you put it in news, but if you're taking notes, Acts 10, 28 to 46 is amazing. It's how the Holy Spirit is moved to the Gentile house. Us. An incredible moment of scripture, and you, you must read it. In Acts 2, 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe, and seeing many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And let's get down to the end. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church is quite simple. This task was not for the 12 only. It wasn't just for the 72 either. No. The kingdom of God is for all of us to carry. And if we go back to Luke 10, it says very simply, Jesus says to his disciples, go out and cure the sick, cast out demons, and proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is here. I don't really want to complicate that. Maybe we should just keep doing that. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ is here. I want you to all stand to your feet with me. Please. Friends, on your own, this is a big deal. In your own strength, I'm just going to tell you, impossible. Impossible. 
But that's okay. Because Jesus wasn't asking it in your strength. He was asking it in his strength. The Holy Spirit would do that with us. But I want to tell you, there's more than 72 people in this room, so we already can do more than what we read back here. But we must function as the body, going out together in spirit and truth through the Holy Spirit. So actually, as I was praying about the service today, I felt like it would be a really cool, significant thing for you to grab the hand of the person next to you. To remember that you're not doing this alone, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. I also want to add one more thing that I felt as we were worshipping today. Oh, I'm sorry, Ben, I was going to get you to come up, but now you're holding hands. Just keep away. Sorry, Joe. I did tell you to come up, but I've confused you now. When we sing songs like Pour Out, you know that's for us, right? That's for us to say, to say, God, I need you to fill me more. Because I wanted to say this real clear. You have enough in the Holy Spirit right now. You don't need more of the Holy Spirit. He's, it's all there. What we need to do is tell our mind, less of me. Push you down. Push me up. The words actually are for us to say, Holy Spirit, pour into me and push my selfishness down. Holy Spirit, thank you for your power. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your authority. Thank you for the work that you've given us to do. Today as I pray over our church, I pray we step into all you have called us to be. That you would help us get rid of the flesh of us and fill ourselves with your spirit. That we would be sensitive to, sensitive to your words, sensitive to your leading. If you cause us to pray, we will pray with your authority. If you cause us to fast, we will fast with your power. Whatever you call us to do, Jesus, we will do in hearing you. Father, I thank you for each hand that is holding another hand right now. Thank you for the body of Christ that we are. That we are going to get sent out today full of you. Lights in a dark world. Help us carry that. Help us to know what we carry in you. That it is not light but it is a beautiful, beautiful burden that your presence would be on us and overflowing out of us. Thank you, Jesus, for your work that you allow through our bodies, through our lives. We bless you, Jesus. Amen. Now, I think we're close to being out of time, but I really wanted to sing this last song. Joe, run. Team, run. <laughs> I requested this song at the start of the week. I really want to sing it. Because <laughs> I feel like it's the right end to what this Pentecost Sunday actually is. So if you can give me three minutes over time and you know, I'll ask for forgiveness later, it's, we'll get, we can do that. But I think in this moment, friends, I just want you to pour out your spirit. Pour out yourself and all that the spirit is in you. Because as you're pouring it out, it's actually Jesus in you you're pouring out. We leave this place different, yes. not the same, but full of his presence. Thank you, Jesus.